Welcome to the Operatic Pastcast, a presentation and preservation of operatic memories and impressions, produced by Donald Cullop. Episode 115 During an intermission of the April 3, 1954 Carmen broadcast, John Gutman spent a brief time with soprano Mary Garden. She is her usual forthright self, reminiscing about Claude Debussy, creating the role of Melisande, and various other subjects. The episode begins with the opening of the tower scene, from Pelias et Melisande, and ends with the melody green, both by and accompanied by the composer. Miss Garden, may I start out by saying uh, that I'm thrilled to be on the same program with you, and I need hardly add for what reasons. Speaking mm -hmm. of thrills, it seems to me that in every great singer's career, there are, of course, many thrilling moments, but there's one great, really greatest thrill of them all, and may I ask you what that was in your career? Well, my greatest thrill was to sign my first contract to sing in this great United States. The liberty and free thinking of this great nation fascinated me. Then, I was, it wasn't a thrill, but it was a great honor to create Pelias and Melisande of such a marvelous genius as Claude Debussy. When uh, did you meet the Debussy, uh, Miss Gardner? I met him when I created it in 1902. And uh, he saw me sitting in the room without being presented to me, and he said to Mr. Carey, the director of the Comique, why, there's Melisande. And Mr. Carey said, yes, that is Miss Garden who is to create it. He said, no, that is Melisande. It was a very peculiar thing, and he never had anything in any way to tell me. You mean during rehearsal? Never. You knew it all before I knew it all. I was born to create that role. And he always used to say to Carrie, I have nothing to tell her. Miss Garden, <coughs> one of the things that make me rather emotional sitting here together with you is the fact that you are somebody who has known Debussy, the great master Debussy, so well and his work so well. Won't you uh, talk a little bit more about Debussy? Certainly. In my career of 34 years, I created the works of many musicians. 
of great talent, but only one genius, Claude Debussy. There is such an immense difference between talent and genius. Genius lives forever, but talent fades away with the years. The genius is the master of man. Genius does what it must, and talent does what it can. The parents of Debussy owned a small china shop in Saint-Germain near Paris. <coughs> and in a tiny room over the shop, this great man was born. He always told me that he had only two passions in his life, music and the sea. I passed two years in close friendship with Debussy and his first wife. He made me laugh when he used to say, there's much too much singing in grand opera. My singers in opera sing like real people. I quite understand what he meant, for he brought into Peleos the most complete union of music and literature. Would you say, Miss Garden, that Melisande is of all the many roles you have done the one closest to your heart? Well, uh, it was in a way because it was something so entirely new for, for opera. But another one that was very close to my heart was The Resurrection that I created of Alfano, that book by Tolstoy. And I think that's one of the greatest operas that has been ever written. Would you tell us something about your other roles, Miss Garden? Well, I, uh, I created 16 roles in my career of 34 years. And I was very fond of uh, Monavanna by Février and, uh, of course, Pelleos. And then the, I sang The Jongleur de Notre Dame oh, by yeah. Massigny. And that was one of my very great loves. I adored that opera. I think, Miss Garden, if I may interject this here, um, you ought to tell our listeners uh, something about your career outside of Paris. We know, of course, you were the great star in Debussy's time, at the time of Pelias, at the Opéra Comique in Paris. But what about your work in this country? Oh, in this country, you see, I came right away to Mr. Hammerstein. And I stayed with him two years. And then we, we made that the Chicago Grand Opera Company. And I went to Chicago and stayed 17 years. But in the meantime, I always went back and sang at the Opera and the Opera Comique in Paris. As I recall it, Miss Garden, in Chicago, you were by no means only uh, a singer of the company. Isn't that true? Yes, I was never a singer. You go to oh. hear Caruso, you go to hear Melba, but you come to see me. That's entirely different. Uh, Miss Garden, that gives me a good opportunity to ask you a question which I'd like to ask you, and I hope you won't mind it. Uh, I recall that some of the critics uh, seem to write occasionally that uh, you really didn't have a very great voice. Um, <laughs> now, I'm glad you are amused and not mad, but what do you have to say about that? Well, I never cared for critics. I don't care for the criticism, good or bad. It never made any difference to me because... What a person has to have who is an opera singer or a great artist in the theater is the public. And when you have the public, as I had it, both in France and in America, criticism has no place at all. Well, what did you do with those criticisms? Did you ever read them? 
Oh, I used to cut them out and keep them to, till Sunday, and then Sunday I used to take a little bit of more hours in my bed and read them like I would a funny book. Good. Well, that certainly <laughs> appeals to me. And um, uh, now, <coughs> um, may I ask you one more question about your roles? It seems to me that um, in every singer's life, every great singer that I've ever known, in addition to the great roles you have done, there usually is one or two that you always wanted to do and never did. Well, there was only one. And I never had the time to take a year or two out of my life to go to Germany and study it. That was Parsifal. I was very, very interested in the role of Kundry. And it's one of my favorite operas and one of my favorite women, Kundry. But I never had the time to study it. I'm glad I brought up that subject because, to say the least, it is certainly uh, unexpected to hear it from you because, after all, your parts were Melisande, uh, you did Salome, you did Carmen, I think you did uh, Violetta, as I remember it. And Faust. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, well, I must say it is a great loss to us that you never did do Kundry. Now, maybe go back to this question of your voice and what you said, uh, the Carusos have the great voices and people came to see Mary Garden. I think you are partly facetious because people also came to hear Mary Garden. Now then, Miss Garden, since we have established that the voice is not everything in opera, what is the function of the voice? Well, you see, I had many voices. When I sang the Jongleur de Notre Dame, it's a little boy, 14 years old, with his voice not yet broken. I had to find a voice to sing that role. And I couldn't put that voice into Salome with all the tragic, all the glorious music of Salome. So therefore, in all my creations, I had to find the voice that was necessary to portray the woman I was singing. But what really is it, Miss Garden, in an opera singer, in a great opera singer, that makes him or her great outside of the voice? Well, they have to have great personality. I have known a singer with a fair voice, but immense personality, could make as great a success on the operatic stage as a great singer with no personality. And that's exactly what I have found many times on the stage. May I ask you this now, Miss Garden? Obviously, you have agreed in all you have said that singing alone is not enough in the opera house. No. In the light of uh, this basic uh, view of yours, uh, have you, since you came back to this country, have you seen any productions at our opera house, the Metropolitan? And if so, uh, what are your criticisms or what are your reactions? Well, my uh, first uh, opera that I saw when I arrived from uh, Europe this year was Carmen. And I just arrived in the afternoon and one of my friends said, I have two tickets for Carmen tonight. Would you like to go? Are you tired? I said, tired? No, not at all. I'd love it. I have never seen on any stage in any country such a marvelous performance of Carmen as I saw that night. I was just amazed. That is the first time <clears throat> that I have ever seen Carmen played or sung 
in Spain. That was the most perfect ensemble of singing. Most beautiful, they even acted in it. The mise-en-scene, the scenery, was something beyond belief of beauty and real of the country of Spain. And when I went away, I was so excited and so overcome with what I had heard that night that I wrote a letter to Mr. Bean and told him that I had sung it myself, I had seen it in every country almost in the world, but I have never seen anything like the performance at the Metropolitan on the night of my arrival in America. It's very good of you, Miss Garden, to say it, and I don't mind admitting that we are rather pleased to hear it. You did see uh, some other uh, works at the Metropolitan recently. Yes, I heard Cosi Fontuti, and uh, of course, as I'm not a um, Mozart singer, I enjoyed it from the pure beauty of the mise-en-scene. That card that he put around the, the, the stage and put a glorious picture in the middle. It was something like the most lovely piece of Dresden china. I've never seen anything so beautiful as that mise-en-scene. Miss Garden, I'm afraid this is about all we have time for today, but may I say again how grateful we are. Uh, I think it was illuminating what you said in many points. Uh, I know that the Metropolitan is pleased to have such a friend in you, yeah. and I hope you will come for many more performances whenever you are in New York. Thank you for listening to the Operatic Pastcast. Visit the website at operaticpastcast.com. This is your producer, Donald Cullop.